And a good Thursday morning to you, and welcome into Darren, Donnie, and Chase here on ESPN 1025, the game on this rainy, cold Halloween, last day of October. Hope everybody's having a good start to your day. Darren McFarland, Chase McCabe alongside. We are live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Willie D will join us a little bit later in the program. And we're here, of course, in lieu of another Predators home game. Game two of this three-game homestand. Tonight it'll be the Calgary Flames to close out the first month of the season. A very successful first month and a lot of success at home. Predators come into this game 6-1-1 one, and one at home this season. So they've been uh, very good uh, here at Bridgestone Arena, which I believe uh, that is the best in the league. I believe home yeah, record, but I mean they've also they've barely been on the road too. So yeah, they've had a lot of time at home. I believe nine home games in the month of October is six my, one and one. Tonight yeah. will be the ninth. Yeah, so um, and that's you know the most home games in a month in this season. So obviously to start things off, it's been good. But yeah, we'll see. Calgary coming in here, you know they. They were uh, were the best in the West last year, and I think will be a tough test. And I always wonder how a team, you know, they didn't get much much of a fight from Chicago the other night. You know, can they can they move past that and now be ready for a tough Calgary team coming in here? That's, you know, obviously trying to figure out what they are early on in the season. No one has six home wins this season. Uh, there's a couple teams with five home wins, but nobody with six. So the Predators have already collected more home wins than anybody else uh, in the league, and they'll have a chance to get their seventh home win tonight against the Flames. And as you mentioned, Flames were very good last year. I don't believe they're the same team. I think uh, no. I, think the, I would be shocked if they end up being the number one team in the West. I mean shocked if they were the number one team in the West. But uh, crazier things have happened, as we've seen in sports. St. Louis Blues win the Stanley Cup. The Washington Nationals win the World Series. And I changed my pick yesterday at the end of the show. I've been going Astros, Astros, Astros. I said, you know what? Going off the train. I've seen enough. I think the Nationals are going to do it. And sure enough, they did. And it was already something we had never seen before after game six. And now it's going to go down in history. And i got to be honest. I'm not sure. Well, I'm, I'm pretty darn sure. We'll never see that again in our li- in our lifetime. I'm not saying it'll never be done again, but in professional sports in our lifetime, I don't think team, we'll ever see another seven-game series go all seven games to the road team. Yeah, I don't think so either. Cause, I mean, six was already a record yeah. in all of sports. Now you're asking for that to happen again in our lifetime, and it's seven? I just don't see it. Well, you and I were talking about it the other night, and then I asked other people, like, has this ever happened before? Like, has that the road team has won all the games. And, you know, I had a few people be like, I'm sure it has. I mean, the long history of baseball. And then, of course, it comes out that six was the record. Like, that is impressive that the the sport's been around this long and a record like that had never happened until now. But you're right. I don't think it'll ever happen again. And congrats to the Washington Nationals in, in typical Nats fashion. I mean, they were down. The Astros were you know, had the lead, and then late in the late innings, the bats come alive. They chase Grinky. I don't know what A.J. Hinch was doing. Uh, he had Garrett Cole available, never never went there. <laughs> um, but that's that's what it is, and the Nats are the World Series champs. Did you agree with the MVP? Yeah. You did? Yeah. 
I, I thought mean, there it's was either a, Rendon or, or there was a case Strasburg. for Rendon, and and that was kind of where I was leaning. But I mean, will you just look at the stats with the Nationals did in the seventh inning of the World Series, the seventh inning alone. Yeah, I mean, they deserve to be the champs. I mean, that, look when the when the stage was the biggest and the lights were the brightest, and their backs were against the wall, and in these situations, in their final series of the season, they're in the World Series and they're behind they responded i mean and so you deserve to win i mean they they were good in the clutch i mean they, they just this team just wasn't phased i mean it was amazing rendon is ridiculous i mean you could soto rendon i think were the hitters that had to be in contention for mvp but strasburg i have i have no issues with it yeah i mean the, the guy you know to his credit I've had Strasburg on my fantasy baseball team for many, many, many years. I didn't have him this year because I kind of finally gave up on him. Right. So I've watched him a lot in his career. He has really changed and evolved into a spectacular pitcher, and it goes back to what we were talking about yesterday at the beginning of the show. You've heard me say it once. You've heard me say it a thousand times. You have to change and evolve with the times or get left behind, period. If you don't change and evolve, you get left behind. And Strasburg was hurt a lot in his career. He's a guy who's been a power pitcher. Nothing wrong with that. But he has changed his game. Look at, look at, yeah. look at his, his, his curveball. He's, he's pitching differently, and it's going to add years to his professional career. Um, he's just a different pitcher, and it's all for the better. He has evolved and changed his approach, and uh, it's paid off. I mean, he was spectacular. I, I, have no, I have no issues with that, and now he gets to drive around in a, in a brand-new Corvette. Yeah. yeah that, that makes me jealous. Did you see the stat on him, though, that he is the first number one overall pick to be named the World Series MVP? Can Pretty you believe amazing. that in Pretty the history amazing. of baseball? Yeah. Pretty amazing. And we have to do this once. Uh, in honor of the Nationals, because I'm sure in D.C. you're going to hear this quite a bit today. But, Max, cue it up. I think they're going to play this all over D.C. Yeah. It's amazing that they adopt uh, One guy uses this as a walk-up song, and then they adopt it as the theme, basically, for this whole run. Well, I mean, look at the whole blues. Yeah, story. It's just yeah. like I mean, that. I mean, that was in a bar. Right. I mean, come on. I know. But it's... I mean, that just shows you the silliest little thing you can connect to something. Well, Eaton and, and Kendrick in the in the dugout. Yeah, doing the... Well, no, the, the whatever, Fast and Furious, whatever they're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clutch and driving the car and going at a high rate of speed. I mean, I, it's like the minute you saw one of the... Every time Howie Kendrick or Eaton did something big. By the way, Eaton was spectacular, too. Both of them yeah. were spectacular. And Rendon's about to get... Paid. He's going to get paid big time. But you, I would, I would watch in the dugout when they're going to do it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's something I have no. I don't know the backstory on it. I don't know how it came about. But it's things like that. I don't know if anybody else did found themselves kind of drifting away as I sat there and I watched the celebration and watched the post game and all the stuff. But did anybody else out there go, man? What would that be like? What would that be like in Nashville? Oh yeah, I did that a lot last night. Well, and here, I, I really want to. I, I really want to experience that. I think you're going to. I do too. I think you're going. to. I think to. that's probably I mean, why I drifted there. I feel like it's going to happen. 
it's like this city needs to experience something like that. This city needs to go through. It's been close on both fronts, right? It's been close on the Titans a long time ago, and it was close here three years ago with the Predators. But it's time for this city to get rewarded for all the praise and all the stuff and break down that door and, and experience the parade and the craziness of yeah. when it's over and the victory and all the shots that they show of the winning city and where everybody is and they're throwing stuff up in the air and, you know, all the bar scenes. And I, like, Nashville deserves that. Like, I'm, I agree. I'm ready for it. And we're in a – what's cool is with sports in general. I mean, the everybody had the Astros penciled in. That, ah, they got the best team. They made the best moves at the deadline. I mean, they're going to win it. It's going to be Astros-Dodgers, but the Astros, you know, they're going to get it done. And it didn't happen that way. The St. Louis Blues, nobody had them pegged to win the, the, the Stanley Cup, and they did it. So the thing that's – and I know in the NFL you have the Patriots that just won't go away, but, you know, a few years ago the Eagles, they won it. You have these teams that nobody really expects to make a run at it, and then they go and they win the whole thing. I mean, it's like the, the Lion from Major League, win the whole – thing and that's what's happening so i I, i'm obviously a braves fan the nats are a rival of the braves but i'm still i'm happy for that city i'm happy for that fan base just it's cool that they get to experience that and i believe nashville is going to do that too uh at some point very very soon and it's very easy to to look at the predators and think they have the best shot to do it right now i think there's a reason look nashville in and i know that MLS hasn't gotten here yet, but, you know, if Nashville SC wins a, a USL title, that's going to be cool. I mean, that's that's definitely a step in the right direction of adding that third major pro sports team. So Yeah, but obviously that's not yeah. going to be anywhere near sure. the, the level of of uh, the NHL winning a Stanley Cup or, or winning a Super Bowl. I mean, those would just it would change, change the city forever, just like even the run to the Stanley Cup changed yeah. it. I mean, it. Changed the perception. It changed everything with this city. I mean, just think about what three years ago did. And it wasn't even the win. I mean, they just getting there, how much it changed. Imagine what breaking through and winning would do. Well, Pecorine was able to, to win a trophy that he probably should have a couple more of. You know, that's why I brought that up to David Poyle, of what the success of the franchise has done for, for things like that. Now the Predators are on the map. And, you know, you, you used to say it, that you can't complain about not getting national attention because you haven't done anything. Well, now they've done a lot. They've hung banners, and there's only one left to hang. So that's what happens when you have that type of success. We'll come back, and we will head to Charlotte. We will talk to Kyle Bailey. We'll learn a little bit more about the opponent for the Titans on Sunday noon kickoff against the Carolina Panthers. He is the host of the clubhouse on WFNZ there in Charlotte. So we'll talk to him next on Darren Donick and Chase. ESPN 1025, the game. Back here on Darren, Donick, and Chase on this Thursday morning, this rainy, cold Thursday morning here in Nashville. We're live at Pete and Terry's Tavern right here at Bridgestone Arena in lieu of tonight's final game of the month of October. Predators hosting the Calgary Flames to close out the month of October. They'll be back at it to close out the homestand Saturday afternoon. Remember that hockey fights cancer here Saturday afternoon, a 1 o'clock puck drop. I'll have pregame for you starting at noon, and uh, it'll be the New York Rangers in town before the Predators will hit the road for a while. Let's go to Charlotte. Kyle Bailey is one of the hosts on the clubhouse, WFNZ, there in Charlotte, to talk a little bit about the opponent for the Titans there on Sunday. Kyle, how you doing? 
Good, good. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Uh, so, Carolina was rolling, man. We were even talking about them here. We're like, holy cow. Raise your hand if you're watching Kyle Allen in college and said, uh, yeah, sure. That guy will start winning games at the NFL level. And sure enough, an undrafted free agent strung together four consecutive wins. And then um, you went out to San Francisco, and uh, things obviously did not go Carolina's way. How would you assess the first seven games of the season for the Panthers to this point as they sit there with a 4-3 and three record? Oh, uh, well, I would, I would start with, you know, Cam Newton in the preseason against New England. Uh, it hurts his foot. I don't think anyone fully understood or appreciated the severity of that at the time. And then uh, after that happens, you know, we're told by team doctors and even a guy like Dr. David Chow, who joined me the day after, that, you know, it didn't look very serious and that uh, he should be ready in time for week one. And, of course, he was there in week one against the Rams. But you know, it turned out Cam wasn't quite as healed and healthy as uh, a lot of people assumed he would be. And by about midway through the uh, the Tampa Bay game in week two, it became pretty apparent that Cam was uh, still too hurt to go. And they start in an 0-2 hole. Now, you know, there have been people here saying that, you know, had Kyle Allen started those first two games instead of an injured Cam Newton, that uh, they win probably one of those. And I would agree with that. I think they beat Tampa on that short Thursday night game. Uh, it's difficult to say they definitely beat the Rams because that's a good football team. But, you know, I, I think instead of an 0-2 hole, they probably start 1-1. One one. But then, as you know, Kyle Allen steps in week three. And uh, they rattle off four straight wins. They beat Arizona and Houston on the road and then come back and uh, beat a pretty tough Jaguars team in a really, really good football game here in, in uh, Charlotte. And then, and of course, go to London and, and beat the Bucks again. Now, I, I'll say this, you know, as far as Kyle Allen's concerned, uh, he looked good against Arizona in that first start. It's Arizona. That's not a great defense, not a great secondary, but give the kid credit. Uh, didn't look great against Houston. That was a game that was won by the defense. Christian McCaffrey has, has carried the load for the offense for the most part. So you know, I, I think you tip your cap to Kyle Allen and say this kid has come in and proven that you know, he's, he's a competent backup quarterback, but I, I don't, we don't know that he's much more than that right now. And I don't think San Francisco is a referendum on him either because San Francisco's defense is just incredible. But you know, I, I think right now all that optimism off a four-game winning streak has kind of been put on hold until we see what, uh, what this team is moving forward. When they drafted Will Greer here in Nashville at the draft, what were their intentions with him? I mean, did they, did they view him? I know this is so early, and we've been talking about Kyle Allen, but did they view him as a, a possible replacement way down the road? I mean, how, how, what was their what did they say their intentions were when they drafted Will Greer? Uh, I don't. I mean, look, what they said behind closed doors will probably remain there, but uh, I don't think they drafted Will Greer as a future replacement for Cam Newton. Of course, that's always possible. But uh, I think they drafted Will Greer as an insurance policy as, as a backup quarterback. you got to remember that a year ago, Kyle Allen was on the street. I mean, he didn't even yeah. have a job. Um, and so this, this has been a surprise to most people. I, I do believe that they felt they had a talented guy in Kyle Allen with potential. But, you know, between, you know, leaving Texas A&M and things ending kind of unceremoniously in Houston. And, you know, at one point last year in training camp, Kyle Allen gets kicked out of a drill by the offensive line coach because he couldn't get the cadence right and you know he was out of a job a few weeks later and then wasn't brought back until late last season mid midway when cam newton was obviously very injured so kyle was still very much an unknown and will was drafted i think with uh, the backup quarterback spot in mind to be an insurance policy and yeah he was very much up and down in the preseason so they i don't think they still know what they have in will greer but 
the whole quarterback situation, as frustrating as it's been for fans this year, has been pretty fascinating to see. You brought up Christian McCaffrey, and I'm, I'm mad at him. I'm still mad at him. It's not his fault, but I had the number one pick in two uh, fantasy football drafts, and I took Barkley in both, and so I'm angry. That's your fault. More, yeah, I know. I said I'm more, I was going to say I'm more angry at myself uh, than anything, but uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, has been spectacular, as you know. I mean, uh, this guy just keeps getting better and better uh, in year three. I mean, I think we, we talked about it a lot last week just because the Bucks were the opponent and the Bucks were like the only team that have been able to really slow him down when it comes to his rushing yards in the two uh, the two meetings, but really nobody's been able to slow him down. What what do you make of his season as you guys approach the midway point? Yeah, I mean, the, the only team that's been able to, to stifle him in terms of yardage has actually been the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, interestingly enough. And that, you know, the first time out, like I talked about a minute ago in that week two Thursday nighter against the Panthers, it became very obvious, uh, somewhere in about the, the first or second quarter that Cam Newton had re-aggravated the injury, made it worse, and that he was just not going to be effective. I mean, no, never mind not running. Cam was unable to really plant without pain and throw accurately. And so they were really able to double down on Christian McCaffrey. I think they held him to 56 yards that night and, and kept him out of the end zone. And there was that final play on fourth and a foot where, you know, Christian kind of ran a stretch play, and instead of turning it up and likely scoring, he tries to outrace the defender to the pylon and, and gets run out of bounds. And so, uh, you know, even the second time around against Tampa in London, he scored a couple of touchdowns but only rushed for 59 yards. Now, the games outside of that, uh, he's been fantastic. Multiple times he's had at or over 200 yards from scrimmage, multiple touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey is, uh, I think it's easy to say, the top three back in the NFL. And it's very much, a, uh, I think, an MVP candidate if he continues on this pace. Now, as you two know, we, we've not often seen running backs win that award in the past 20 years. It's only happened about four times, three or four times. So, you know, I, I'm not betting on Christian McCaffrey to win the award, but he's putting up numbers right now deserving of recognition. We're talking Carolina Panthers here on Darren Donick and Chase with Kyle Bailey from WFNZ and, and – you know, Christian McCaffrey, obviously the biggest part of this offense, but DJ Moore, I've been impressed with him uh, as he's uh, been developing as a wide receiver. What have you seen out of Moore that gives Kyle Allen another target? Well, interestingly, uh, Steve Smith Sr. Uh, comes on my show every Tuesday, and you know, if you recall back during the draft last year, you know, Smitty made the proclamation that the Panthers had never been able to replace him until then, and, and he wholeheartedly endorsed uh, DJ Moore. And DJ's had his moments, but DJ also has had some fumbling issues, and DJ has unfortunately at times kind of disappeared. He's got ability. He's great after the catch. Um, he's, he's just got really good football instincts. But, you know, right now there are complaints uh, in this fan base about uh, these two young wide receivers, DJ and Curtis Samuel, just being too inconsistent. And as a matter of fact, you know, Steve came on with me two days ago and kind of uh, lambasted both of these young wide receivers, DJ included, for their lack of consistency and their lack of toughness lately. And uh, that made headlines, of course, in The Athletic and a few other places. And Look, I, I think it's, it's fair to a degree. Nobody sees the position and, and understands that position any better than a guy like Steve Smith. I also think that um, you know Kyle Allen being a young quarterback and you know at times being a one-read quarterback has oftentimes missed open receivers, hasn't gone through his full progression, and you know, there, there, there have been times where DJ and Curtis were open, but Kyle just didn't get the ball there. So I, I think it's kind of tough right now to evaluate DJ as a whole, just given some of the quarterback issues over the past two years, Cam's health, you know, Kyle's inconsistency. But 
you know, overall, I still like him as a young player. I still think he's got a bright future. And, you know, if, uh, if they can get Cam Newton back and healthy on the field or if Kyle Allen can continue to get better and, you know, be able to find these open receivers a little more consistently, I think you'll see DJ continue to settle down a bit. Defensively, uh, you know, the Titans played the Bucks last week, and for a long time Gerald McCoy was, was a staple in that defense. Now he is with the Panthers. What have you seen out of McCoy that has helped that defensive front? You know, uh, Gerald is he's such a fun guy to cover, and, and he's such an interesting guy to talk to. He's not the 26-year-old Gerald McCoy that was wrecking shop in Tampa, but he's still a, a pretty good version of himself. And I think before coming into this past game against San Francisco, Pro Football Focus had him uh, tied pretty much with Aaron Donald for the uh, I think of uh, maybe first or second most pressures on the defensive line in the league. But the, you know the sack numbers aren't there. The traditional box score numbers that you might look for are, are not going to jump off the page with Gerald this year, but he's been effective. And, you know, he's been a blessing for them, maybe outside of Sunday, because they lost their Pro Bowl tacker, tackle uh, KK Short a couple of weeks back to a shoulder injury. He's on IR and done for the season. So, you know, having Gerald has uh, been a blessing on a couple of fronts. Don Terry Poe's obviously there alongside him. And Kyle Love, who's been a rotational guy, has had to step up a little bit. Guys like Vernon Butler and F.A. Obata as well. So, you know, without uh, without Gerald, uh, now without KK Short, things could probably be a lot worse. But you know, again, this is a you know what a, a six-time Pro Bowler, ten-year veteran, and you know a guy who's who, who can still flat-out play. And the Panthers are going to continue to have to lean on him down the stretch here uh, to get better up front and, and continue to stop or try to continue to stop the run because they're struggling a bit there right now. But I don't think it's something that can't be adjusted and fixed. I thought it was pretty cool, too, uh, when, when Carolina went out to San Francisco. Gerald McCoy couldn't return to Tampa to his son's senior night, but some of his former teammates were able to go and represent uh-huh. him. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it was fun to see. I mean, you know, fans get caught up in, uh, you know, like, uh, rivalries, if you will, or, um, you know, the hatred for other teams. But sometimes we forget that even though these guys switch uniforms, they maintain pretty strong relationships uh, where they left. And to see Jameis Winston and Mike Evans and you know, a couple of the guys there in camp will go out and support his son there on senior night. I'm, I'm with you. I thought that was fantastic. How do you think the secondary is going to be able to exploit Ryan Tannehill? Because Ryan Tannehill has been throwing the ball a lot. He's been spreading it around. But, you know, we knew here in Tennessee that uh, he was prone to throw interceptions. And we haven't seen that as much so far uh, during his tenure as the starting quarterback. But the secondary for Carolina, led by James Bradbury with interceptions, I mean, I'm sure that they have studied him. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this this secondary has been pretty opportunistic so far this year. They, they picked off Jameis Winston five times over in London, um, which, you know, inflated those numbers a little bit, but they had still already been pretty good. And, you know, Dante Jackson's been hurt on and off, and that's a guy with – a lot of uh, big play potential, but he also misses tackles and you know will occasionally get burnt. So there's been a lot of boom or bust there. I'm glad you mentioned Bradbury because uh, he's just been exceptionally consistent. He's in a contract year as well, so he's going to get paid somewhere here or, or somewhere else because that guy is just the model of consistency. And he's the anti he's the anti corner too. I mean he's he's not one of these diva cornerbacks who's always talking, always jabbering, always looking for attention. It, it's quite the opposite. Just very much a lunch pail, you know, put his head down and go to work kind of guy. So he's tough to deal with. Ross Cockrell, a, a local kid who played at Duke, 
know, he, he's been very steady in some of what he's been asked to do. Eric Reed's been having a good season. Now, again, a lot of this has been co- – a lot of the conversation this week is colored by the fact they just got their tails kicked in San Francisco on Sunday. So people are a little bit down on them. But, you know, going into this past weekend, there was a lot of praise being thrown around for, for that secondary and the way that they have played. And, you know, I think with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, before Sunday's game having – you know, thrown seven touchdowns but six interceptions as well. I think people had the expectation that you know Jimmy would give it away a little bit more. Luke Keekley picked him off once, but the secondary didn't really get anything. So I think they're going to be chomping at the bit uh, to get back on track and, and look to steal a few from Ryan Tannehill on Sunday. Kyle, we appreciate the visit. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out on Sunday in Charlotte. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll do it again down the road. Anytime, guys. I appreciate it. All right, that is Kyle Bailey with WFNZ there in Charlotte. He's the host of the clubhouse. And, of course, the Panthers and Titans will kick off noon central on Sunday in Charlotte. And then uh, the Titans will get the Chiefs here, and then it'll be a bye week. And it looks like Mahomes is getting closer and closer to returning. I doubt he plays this week, but probably will be back for that Titans game. But first up, it'll be the Panthers. We'll come back. More of Darren, Donick, and Chase on the other side, ESPN 1025, the game. Are you? Does this get you excited about New Year's Eve? And it Dallas? does. Does give me three steps. I love this song. I was really, really big into Leonard Skinner when I was, I guess, senior in high school. Did you have I, a Leonard Skinner shirt? I did. I I, had a, I, I said that because I figured you probably did. No, I did. Listen, wrestling fan, NASCAR fan, Leonard Skinner fits right in. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah, but I was a I saw them, and obviously not the original Leonard Skinner, uh, but I saw them a few times out at Starwood. My first concert at Starwood was actually Leonard Skinner. Wow. Okay. So they're uh, putting a nice little time stamp on it. Yeah, we sat on the grass. We smelt grass. So you know, it was, yes, I bet <laughs> it you was, did. <laughs> it was it's a good time out at Starwood. And for all the people that have been, have, you know, see how long Starwood been gone. Uh, it closed at least a decade, right? 2006, probably. So it's 06, probably been 13 years, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So for everybody who's been here that time frame or less, yeah, there used to be an outdoor amphitheater way before Ascend. Yep. And it was out on Bell Road, out in Antioch. You lived close to there, didn't you? I did. My first house. I was. I I could leave. Starwood and be home in two minutes, oh, three nice. minutes. I could, it, depending on the night, I could go out in my backyard and hear the show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was that close. But uh, there used to be a, an amphitheater out there. If you go drive by it now, it's on the corner of Old Hickory and Bell Road. I think pieces of the stage it, are still, still there. Yeah. There's still some conc- a little bit of concrete you can see, but for the most part, it's just overgrown, and yeah. you would never know. But you can if you – if you do know and you look at it, you can see that there's still remnants of of the amphitheater there. You know what? I take it back. It Leonard Skinner wasn't my first concert out there. Aerosmith was. Okay. But a lot of good shows out there. Speaking of the Winter Classic Celebration Flyaway, um, we're going to give you, that's right, one lucky winner, one lucky listener, and a guest a chance to go to Dallas for the Winter Classic Celebration Flyaway, starting on Monday. Listen for your cue to call and qualify for a chance to win the grand prize, and this is what the grand prize includes. 
round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, a pair of tickets to see Leonard Skinner at American Airlines Center on New Year's Eve. That's where the Stars play and the Mavericks. It's where we were last year in the first round of the playoffs. Chase and I spent uh, a lot of time doing the show yeah. and covering the games there at American Airlines Center. A pair of tickets to the Winter Classic. You see the Predators and the Stars in the, at the Cotton Bowl. And that'll be on New Year's Day. So that is one heck of a prize. But remember, you're going to have to start listening Monday for your cue to call. The winner will be announced on Friday, November 15th. Prizes are courtesy of Outback Concerts. For more details, you can go to the game nashville.com. Don't forget Elliot Friedman at 1 o'clock. And then following that interview, you'll have to listen to the interview because we will ask you a question from something that happened during that interview, and you'll have a chance to win Predators tickets right after. But you'll have to be listening at 1 o'clock because the question will be about something happened in the interview, and it'll be tickets to um, the Predators and Rangers on Saturday. That'll be very good. That's a Saturday afternoon game, by the way, 1 o'clock. I know. We're excited about that, aren't we? We are indeed excited about that. So what are you expecting on Sunday? This is obviously they've strung together two home wins. They've evened it up at four, uh, at 500. Carolina is coming off a beat down in San Francisco to the 49ers, 51-13. They're 4-3 and three on the season. What are you expecting on Sunday? Um, I'm expecting a football game to be played in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, that will indeed happen. That um, is a guarantee. I can say that. Listen, I don't know because if it was Cam Newton, I think I would have a little bit more of an idea of what Carolina, you know, Carolina is. But Kyle Allen, he was good to start. He was undefeated, and then you know he's had obviously San Francisco was really good, so it was going to be a tough test. But I didn't expect that big of a blowout that we saw last week. So I think that that you know that. That kind of makes me think, all right, well, Kyle Allen can be exploited by this Titans defense because the defense is getting better and better and better, even though they gave up more than 20 points for the first time. That was kind of expected because Tampa Bay is able to put up a lot of points with their offense. So if if the defense can continue to do their thing, I think they can they can contain Kyle Allen. And that's that's going to be the big big thing that they have to do. Is uh, I heard Braden use the line this morning, if you cut the head off the snake, the rest – you know, will shrivel up, and I think that's what they're going to have to do uh, to Kyle Allen, get in his head early, and then the offense is going to have to do their thing. The offense is still, you know, up and down. They they didn't have a great game last week. They did enough to win, um, but a lot of that was due to the defense and Jameis Winston turning the ball over. So Tannehill, he's going to have to take care of the football with, you know, each game he plays, you wonder how much tape and tendencies and stuff like that that, the defenses are getting on him. He's going to have to protect the football and then be able to score some points too. But it's an unknown. It's a big unknown, and unfortunately I think that's what we're going to say for the rest of the season. It's one thing to say you go to Arizona and beat the Cardinals. It's another thing to beat Tampa at home, talking about the Panthers and Kyle Allen and the four wins in a row that he's strung together. But I'll tell you what, going to Houston and beating the Texans, that was impressive. Yeah. Uh, nobody saw that coming. And then the very next week, you had Jacksonville at home, and you beat them. So, I mean, they, right now they're 2-0 and against the Titans division. And I, the, the, one, the, the win that really stood out to me was the win in Houston. That, that was impressive. And that defense held the Texans to 10 points at home. 
So you know Carolina's defense is good. And like I said, then the next week they turned around and they beat Jacksonville. Uh, and then, you know, they, it just things fell apart in San Francisco. San Francisco's undefeated. So I'll be curious to see how they, how they respond to that because they've already had their bye week. And that was, by the way, coming off the bye week, which was right. pretty interesting. They went out to London. They had all those turnovers. They beat Tampa. Actually, you're right. I shouldn't say that was a home game. It was in London. And then they had their bye week, and they come off the bye week, and they just got shredded by the 49ers. So they're back at home. They've got the Titans this week, and then they're at Green Bay. So, look, if they're going to keep up with New Orleans in that division, if they're going to keep up with that division and how, um, you know, that division is going to play. The Falcons are not good. They still have to play no. the Falcons, I think, twice. And I don't think the Bucks are all and that the great And the Bucks are not that good. So they got two bottom feeders, but, you know, they're right in the thick of things. They are at 4-3. But, you know, it's I think still, wild card is I, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. They're not going to win the division, but that, they're in the thick of things as in wild card. But, I mean, they still, right now, I would say second place in the NFC North and second place in the NFC West is probably going to be your wild card teams. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think that's a stretch by like any it's means. It's not going to come out of the NFC East this year. The second team's not coming out of the East. No, I don't think I don't think Philadelphia. I mean, the Philadelphia and Dallas are going to fight for that division, and I think Dallas is probably going to win it. Um, I, I just think they're a tick better than Philadelphia, so I don't see them getting two teams. The North, you're right. I think they get two teams, and then I think the Vikings looks like and the, the South. Well, I mean, well, the Seahawks. I mean, look, and I said the West, and yeah. look, it's if Seahawks, but the Rams are not out of it. They don't look no. like they're the same. They're five and three, but they're not out of. It. I mean, they are the team that represented the NFC last year. I don't. I watched them. They lost a lot on defense, and I just, I just don't think they're going to get in. So, I mean, Carolina. The, the only chance they have is to keep winning because they're not out of it. But you know, they could, they they drop they drop one. You know, drop this one. It's just the hole just gets deeper and deeper. You yeah. know, how this works. Hole gets deeper and deeper. I think what was interesting. Is yesterday us throwing out those odds that were put out there, and to know that they give the Titans a twelve percent chance of making yeah. the playoffs, that was pretty mind blowing. Was that Pro Football Focus? Uh, yeah, uh, or Football Outside? Football, football, football outsiders. outsiders. But twelve percent chance. They're four and four. Twelve percent. But they chance. have two division losses. Yeah, right. and, and, they, and their rest of their in. schedule is is difficult, as we know. Like this game, yeah. the Chiefs, the Saints, two games against the Texans. Look, they they don't have a lot of wiggle room to make mistakes, and you know this this weekend is is already going to be tough. I still think you have to put a question mark around around uh, Ryan Tannehill because yeah, he's he's been better. Quarterback play has definitely been better than it was with Mariota. But Ryan Tannehill has flaw he has flaws too that you're gonna expect a really good defense to exploit at some point, and I think Carolina's defense is pretty good. And oh by the way, we haven't mentioned this yet, but even though Kyle Allen is, you know, pretty unproven, you know, for a majority of his career, Christian McCaffrey has obviously been good. North Turner is still one of the best offensive coordinators in football. Yep. And, you know, he's he's running this offense. So you have to give credit there uh, with Norv Turner running that, that offense and calling the plays. So 
again, the defense is going to have to be the bread and butter for the Titans, but the offense has to do their part too. Uh, Nick on Twitter says, "Isn't uh, wasn't Starwood on Old Hickory Boulevard and Murfreesboro Road? He's absolutely right. And by the way, how did only Nick call me out for that? Like, how did like do we just have all people that have been here? Yeah, it, I, uh, it obviously went over my head. Yeah, and I knew that. I don't know why I said Bell Road. It's Old Hickory and Murfreesboro Road, not Bell Road. Yeah, that's right. So thank you, Nick. I don't know why I said that. And 06. Is 06 is oh, so you were yeah. right. Okay, so it's been 13 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah, Old Hickory Boulevard and Murfreesboro Road right there, that intersection. It was in that big plot of land, Starwood Amphitheater. So thank you, Nick. All right, we'll come back, wrap up the first hour of Darren, Donnie, and Chase next. I remember this video well. As do I. Back when there were vi- well, there were vi- there's videos today. I just don't pay attention to them as much. I was reading this, this cool article. Video. Oh, no doubt. I saw this on the news, and I was reading this article too, and I saw it on the news as we sit here on Halloween Day. Did you see this? Where in ten- in this state, you don't have to if you're selling a home, which a lot of people are. The market is pretty crazy, pretty active. That you do not have to disclose if you have, you know, paranormal activity or, or deaths in your home. I did not know that, and yeah. I didn't even. Some states do. I didn't even think that that would be a thing that you had to do. Yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, if somebody died in your house, you probably you, you, you might want to pass you, you that along. Know I, yeah, I would. Know. I would want to know that. Um, only nine states have laws that you have to disclose a death on the property within a certain time period. In California, sellers must disclose a death within three years, one year in Alaska, and in South Dakota, sellers must disclose it uh, disclose it outright. Connecticut, Delaware, Georgia, New Hampshire, New Jersey, and South Carolina must disclose a death, hmm. but only if it's asked. <laughs> you know, uh, okay. <laughs> Here's what's crazy. But in Tennessee, we got no state laws on paranormal activity at all or now, disclosures of anything that's happened in the house, on the property. I've never bought a house. You obviously have, but I believe you built your current house. Correct. So in your previous house, did you think to ask, like, anybody dying here? Well, for me, I've bought in the two houses that I've had, I've owned I bought in new neighborhoods. So, okay. I mean, so typically, you... I don't want to say that that can't happen, but typically if you're buying in an older house, like, for example, like we probably all have had a friend at some point growing up, right? That Like I had a friend in high school. Their parents had money. They had yeah. this big house way out, out in the right. country. It was an old house. It was from, like, the 1800s. It was beautiful. I had a friend was, that had one of those. But it was yeah. old. Yeah. And there were stories galore about, you know, we we would hear, you know, we'd go out hear there. things. You and... hear weird stuff. And they would talk about weird stuff that would happen in the house all the time. Huh. I so mean, tip, look. And I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying that it's only just old homes. But, like, for example, when I used to, at a previous stop before here. Yeah. When I worked on 2nd Avenue, that radio station on the hill right across the street. You know, there used to be. The old General Hospital, yeah, for a long time, right in this town. Uh, that they obviously built a new General Hospital, but when they finally uh, tore it down, right, they built. You know what's over there right now, right? I'm. Um, is that a? 
That's not where Pinnacle is. It? No, it's, it's, it's condos. Condos, okay. Oh. On that hill. Yeah. Would I buy a condo over there on that piece of land, on that property, the old General Hospital? You're going to go no? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say absolutely no. Not. Have you seen that commercial that's out right now? The Geico commercial where the guy's in the attic. He's about to buy the house and he's checking it out. And like, oh, they left some stuff up here. And it's like these doll, these creepy dolls that make noises. And yeah. he just goes, nope. Exactly. That would be me. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> We're done. We're moving so, on. So to answer your question, I've really never done a deep dive. Because I never would have thought I wasn't really of worried because it was new, you know. So... But it doesn't mean that the land something, you yeah. know, but uh, no. Because my, you know, my grandfather bought a condo that I lived in in college, but he handled all that and it was new. So that, you know, never even would have crossed my mind. But but now, like, the, you bring the story up, it's kind of like, okay, well, if I buy a house that somebody's had, I might have to bring that up. Like, well, look at the history of, the you know, where you are and, you know, how old the house is. And so... You know, obviously, the longer a house has been around, the more things can happen. I mean, you don't know if, what's the history. I mean, you, you should. If you're buying a house it's 40, 50 years old, 60 years old, it doesn't have to be from the 1800s. I mean, yeah. you might want to check the history and make sure there hasn't been some craziness go on my, in that house over the years. My buddy growing up lived in a house that there was, a, there was like a cemetery behind it. Yeah, like, no, that's a no. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a no. That freak you out a little bit. Well, John Whelan, who we know, the buddy yeah. who I went up, his yeah, son yeah. is the kicker for, or the punter for Akron, his house. He's got a big house there in Hudson and very, very close by, right there. I mean, you go out in his back, you can see it. There's a cemetery. And I, I told him, I was like, that's a no. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not, not buying this house. Yeah. But look, that's if you believe, you know, if right. you believe in that. There's, and people, I, there's, there's people listening on whatever, hooey fooey. Uh, Me? If I I believe in that stuff, so I'm not buying it. I was told one time we had a ghost at the radio station. Really? Mm-hmm. I've never been able to prove that, but that was, you know, what somebody that used to work there used to say, oh, yeah, that, and he had like a, I forgot what his name was, but <laughs> had a name. Had a name? Yeah. Sam or something like that. You're and talking about at Cromwell? Yes. Upstairs or downstairs? Downstairs. Downstairs. Well, good thing I don't go downstairs much. I, you know. Especially late at night. Dave's sitting back there kind of worried now. Because <laughs> he spends a lot of time in there. <laughs> I was told he was friendly. So. Well, but I mean, so what does that mean? Like he's going to hand out candy? Oh, I don't know. So that, what like, does that mean he's friendly? He's like Casper. He says hi? Yeah. I, hey. Hey, buddy. Yeah. I so guess. Just, I guess he doesn't like slam doors and stuff? No, no. I've taken naps down there. I think it's I, I think it's fine. I'm just curious. He's friendly. Yeah. Well, they made a show about Casper the Friendly Ghost, so I yeah. guess they exist. No, it's it's true. I mean, there's, there's if you believe, like I said, if you believe in that stuff, like I said, there's people right now going Happy what? Halloween, everyone. Whatever. <laughs> but I thought that was interesting that in Tennessee, there's literally no laws at all. Yeah. Huh. On disclosing any of that stuff. Or, That's a good Halloween. Yeah. News story. I thought that was time sensitive, right? It was pretty appropriate for the time frame. Does Matt is Maddox going trick or treating? Is he going? Well, I mean, you know, it depends I mean, I know on the weather. I mean, it's yeah. pretty, pretty crappy today. I was about to ask, does he still do that? And he's eight, so I'm going to assume he does. But, so. 
No. Yeah, yeah, it's an eight. Okay. Yes, he's, and he just turned it. So right, yeah, he'll, he'll be doing that. All right, we will. Uh, I don't know these things. <laughs> You're the you, parent. Well, you need to know this stuff now because uh, you will yeah. one day. Yeah, Maybe. eight. Yeah. <laughs> eight is still very safe. Yeah, okay. safe zone of, of trick or treating. Uh, we'll come back second hour. Don't forget, um, silly underdogs coming up at noon. And there's two of us that desperately, desperately, desperately need a win. Yeah, last week was a heartbreaker. I was very close. Yep. We will review. We'll get into all that stuff at noon. You can play along with us as well. You out there get three picks. So we'll come back. Hour number two of Darren, Donnie, and Chase next on ESPN 1025 The Game.